Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be Better Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Perkins. Today's episode, we have a really exciting one. It's called Be Better with Overcoming Difficulties in Life with Positivity. And we have a special guest, Miss Diva Danielle Williams. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful day. So again, thank you for having me on your platform. This is awesome. You are welcome. Thank you for your time and your knowledge you're about to share with all of us. Okay, let's get to it. Please tell us, and this is a mouthful, about you, your upbringing, your career, and your battle with your medical setback, please. Oh my gosh, that is a mouthful. That's a lot of different (laughs) stuff. Well, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, moved to California when I was nine. I'm the oldest of four children. Um, I'm a former broadcast journalist, got my start in radio in a very unusual way. I lived in a small little town of Salinas, California, which is an agricultural town. And I was a fan of the radio station, which was 102.5 Kadon. I loved the personalities on the radio show. So I actually won a radio contest in 2000, where I went to LA to attend the 2000 Grammy Awards. When I came back, I told about my experience on the radio. I was super animated and, you know, over the top. And so the program director said, you're good for radio. You need to work here. Long story short, I turned them down three times. I started pitching content because I really liked the morning show. So I would pitch content. And the content that I picked that they got um, excited about was they would give away movie passes. And I said, well, you don't have a movie reviewer. All I wanted was movie passes to go see a movie every weekend for free. So they picked it up and they made me their movie reviewer. So I started doing that on the radio. Then again, like I said, I turned them down three times. They had offered me a job. Then eventually I took a job. Within a year, I got a job promotion to move to Phoenix to be an entertainment reporter for the radio station here. And I did that for five years and I started networking and volunteering and learning. And the next thing you know, I started doing TV and one thing led to another. And I've had a full career of it. I've done local and national television and I loved every step of the way. And along the way, I volunteered in the community, worked with a lot of different nonprofits, found a passion for the things that they do in the community and really wanted to celebrate them. So as uh, the years went on, I eventually got my degree in journalism, even though I was living and working and doing it. So it was very different at the time, instead of, you know, not knowing anything, I had all this experience, which was great and it helped me. And then in my life changed in 2018, I went from being extremely healthy, working out, eating good, taking care of myself, never smoked. I don't drink alcohol or coffee. And in 2018, my life turned, I mean, what some people would consider for the worst, but um, I had my first epiphany and I just realized that this is one of the best things that ever happened to me. But I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. I was 94 pounds and it spread to my lower spine, my pelvis and the top of my right shoulder. So I'm still going through it. I take medicine every day, get scans, still get treatment over at Ironwood Cancer Center. But from day one, because I was on television getting thin, people thought I had an eating disorder. So when I broke the news, it kind of altered and changed my career. So I was no longer on TV on a regular basis. So with that, I had to redirect, refocus. And so at the height of the pandemic, I just, you know, as I was healing and getting better and doing all these things, I decided to create my own talk show on YouTube to really just give a platform to highlight nonprofits and people in the community who are making a positive difference in the lives of others, because I thrived off that positivity, that good energy. And I told my doctor that is um, part of my healing. And that's why I got the cancer. I said, 
to have a bigger platform other than what I was doing on TV to use it for a greater good. And I truly feel that. And it's just worked to my benefit and it's been a blessing for me. And that's kind of where I am and what I've been doing ever since. Ooh, love your energy. I like that. I like that. What do you let's talk about your career on TV? What do what do you like or, or what did you love and what did you dislike when you were on TV? The one thing I loved is the fact that I got to know a lot of different people and you get a chance to see, especially these individuals in the community who are doing the work, the nonprofits, these individuals who are creating a space for others to have a resource when they're going through their most difficult time. And then I learned a lot about the city I was living in, Phoenix, by being on television. The downside to that is that I had a passion for volunteering and working with these nonprofits. But when you work in media, sometimes because it's not a tragic story or anything like that, it's kind of hard to get them the media attention. And I'm like, well, they're doing the good work. Let's just put them on the show to talk about the great things they're doing. But, you know, TV is a little bit different and the media is different. But as the world started to change and the platforms and the accessibility with technology you didn't need a TV station to get your message out. And so you could be your own, you know, reporter, television station, news anchor, or just someone that wanted to shine that spotlight. So that's what I found myself doing. So yeah, TV was great. Um, I started as an entertainment reporter and then a lifestyle television host. So I got a chance to meet a lot of celebrities, do traveling, go to premieres. And it was always fun to work the red carpet and stuff like that. And kind of be in their world without really having to deal with all the stuff that went along with it, the paparazzi. And I couldn't even imagine, you know, having a life where you don't have a sense of privacy and everything you do is scrutinized. So it was really nice just to kind of be in their world and just show up, be glamorous, ask the questions, have fun, take your pictures, but then I can go home and nobody knows who I am, you know, <laughs> but they had to still live that life, but just to be in their little glimmer of, you know, glamorous and excitement was always fun. Sometimes you got to be careful with the statement. You, you get what you wish for. Um, yeah. You want to be a millionaire or you want to be popular. There's a price to pay with that. You can't even yeah. go out to a restaurant, walk the mall without everyone kind of hanging all over you. Can you tell us one story about one of the people you uh, interacted with? A cool story? Oh, my gosh. I have so many. I have so many. But they're OK. I'm going to share two real, real quick ones. I was doing um, what was called Celebrity Fight Night. It was Muhammad Ali's big charity event to raise money for Parkinson's. So the first year I got to attend it was the year that Robin Williams was there. I am a huge fan of Robin Williams. So he was walking the red carpet and you know how the celebrities always have handlers and the publicists and the people are like, no, he can't stop. No, he can't stop. He has to go inside. They need him inside. Well, the event was about ready to start. Robin was rushing through, trying to just smile and answer a few questions. They were about to pass me and they were like, no, Robin can't stop and talk to you. He has to get inside. I yelled out, Robin, I need you. He turned around and he goes, she needs me. He came over and did a full interview with me. And I looked like a superhero to my bosses because I, I got exactly what I needed to get. Awesome. So, and I took a great picture with him and it was just a highlight. His energy, his enthusiasm, and he did not disappoint. So that was a fond memory. And it just hurt when, you know, he passed away, but at least I had that memory and those good pictures. So, and the other one is Muhammad Ali himself when I attended, because I had covered that event for 10 years, Celebrity Fight Night. So I got to see Muhammad Ali, even though he was going through Parkinson's and he was being held up by loved ones and individuals, he would walk the red carpet when he could. 
he would come over and smile and he came over to me and we got a nice embrace and hug. And I just said, thank you for allowing me to be here and to be in your presence because, you know, he is the greatest. And that was a really fun memory. So, yeah, I've had some really good highlights of being on red carpets and working different events. You currently host a TV show on YouTube. It's called Community Link AZ. Please tell us the goal behind that. The goal ultimately was to shine a spotlight because like I said, when I was working in radio and TV, I did a lot of different things in the community and I would always volunteer with these different nonprofits. And I just loved the compassion and the genuineness that you would get from these individuals who nine times out of 10 would start a nonprofit because they had personally went through something, whether it was domestic violence, teen suicide, or it was just, you know, experiencing homelessness and coming out of it. And they want to help somebody else who's going through it. Know that you have somebody to lend you a helping hand and who can understand the, you know, the experience you're going through. And it's difficult, but if it wasn't for these individuals and their compassion and willingness to be a resource and a bright light in the lives of others, our communities would be a hot mess. So I applaud them. And I just knew when I was working in television and radio, I said, you know what? One day I'm going to have my own show just, and it's strictly going to be to highlight you nonprofits and the work you're doing. And then I would bring in other people because I believe the positive impact they're making is altering in a good way, our community. And it sets the tone for people to come together to know that everybody is not evil. There is still good out there. And you learn so much from these individuals and you get out of your own headspace. And I always tell people, if you're bored, if you feel like you, um, are uncomfortable, you have situations that you can't fully grasp and you feel alone, you're never alone. Nonprofits are out there to help you. They will give you something to do. You'll be surrounded by good energy. You'll hear good stories. Ultimately, you start to heal yourself and you find a purpose within your life to start walking in a different direction. And you're not only helping yourself, you're helping somebody else. Even though you felt you were at such a low place, you can turn it around and that's what they're there for. And so that's why I do it. And I absolutely love it. What would you tell young people who want to follow in your footsteps as far as your career, uh, the sacrifices, the college degrees, et cetera? What, what advice would you share with them? Well, it's not easy. I have to tell you that. But a lot of things have been made accessible for you with technology. I mean, you really it's great to have that degree to go and get it so you can have that backing and that piece of paper from the university. But in this day and age, you have that freedom to be expressive and creative and to try things because there's so much available at their fingertips right now that we didn't have when you know I was going through this. So the best thing I would say is to take and figure out what it is exactly you want to do in the realm of media and then associate yourself with people who you see doing it well and find out some of the things that they had to do to get to where they are job shadow someone, volunteer your time, ask a lot of questions. But when you do that, also be creating things so you can have something to show so they'll want to invest their time and energy in helping you because they see you already putting forth the work and you're serious about it. You have off the chart energy, a drive, a will. You have passion. And yet you have this medical setback. So was this before the medical setback and it just transitioned into what you're going through or did the medical setback kind of manifest this? 
you know what? It's um, it's all been a work in progress. I always like to tell people you are always doing, if you are true to yourself, you're always doing the work that you need to be doing and it's aligning you for a bigger purpose down the road. You just never know when it's going to happen. So I had been doing this work from the time I started in radio, transitioned it to television, always being involved in the community with speaking engagements, volunteering, creating different platforms, creating content for myself to just kind of get to where I wanted to be. So when I got sick, it was just taking that sickness, the cancer and that downtime to really reflect, focus. And I used my cancer as a platform because I told myself, I'm now the news story. If I'm somebody who never smoked, got stage four lung cancer and it spread everywhere, there's somebody else who's going through this as well. So I decided to share it with positivity, a smile on my face, use humor, And I literally told everybody that I'm going to kill my cancer with kindness. I'm going to turn my sour life situation into sweet lemonade. So I started calling myself the lemonade connoisseur. And I would put everything out there on social media through videos, pictures. And I would just do it with a a sense of information, but also entertainment. Because I wanted people to see that you don't have to be sick and sad. You can relish around this and let this cancer know that it can't beat you because everything literally does start in your brain and it trickles down to all of your organs. So I was going to feed it everything good, positive, right. So this cancer did not have a chance. So I'm here today. I went from 94 pounds to where I am today. It's been over three years. I still, like I said, I still have my port. I still go to Ironwood Cancer Center. I get treatments. I get scans. I get regular blood work. I take pills every day. So yeah, it's an ongoing thing, but I just live like I don't have it. I still work out, take care of myself, eat healthy, and it's become a platform for me to do motivational speaking, to host and MC events around different associates and affiliates that are in the health industry. And it gave me an opportunity to just really let people see a different side. And I worked a little bit with the um, American Lung Association In 2020, I became Arizona's Lung Force Hero, and I was invited um, from Washington, D.C. in Congress to share my story of overcoming and having stage four lung cancer as a non-smoker so Congress could see real people and not just numbers on a page and start putting into action where the funding was going to go. Because something that people don't know, lung cancer is the number one killer of all cancers. It surpasses breast cancer, colon cancer the number one killer of all cancers, but it is the least funded because with breast cancer, you can put a face to it. You can make those commercials. You can, but with lung cancer, everything's associated with smoking, but they're realizing that more healthy people, especially women who take care of themselves are being diagnosed with lung cancer as non-smokers. And they're trying to figure out why. So they're working on research or working on funding. And so that was my role to be able to speak before Congress to say, listen, I'm a real person who took care of myself. I still do. Got the stage for lung cancer. I'm more than a number and a statistic. And here's what you need to do to keep that funding and research going because there's multiples of me and I'm just someone who's vocal. So thank you for this platform and opportunity. And that's why another reason why I say I got the cancer for a reason. So my personality can get this good out there. So change can continue to happen. So nobody would else have to go through this because it's horrible. We know that some cancers are hard to detect until the last minute, until the last right. stage. What was, can I ask you, what was your symptoms? How did you know you, you had this, this cancer? It was crazy because I was um, always working out and 
like I said, eating right and taking care of myself, then my body just started feeling a little achy, uncomfortable. Then I started dropping in weight and then my back started hurting to where I couldn't move. I couldn't tie my shoe. I couldn't pick up. So I went to the doctor. He was, my doctor was like, why are you so thin? What is going on? And then I told him my back is killing me. I don't know what's happening. So they did an MRI on my spine and that's where he saw it. He said, it's all in your bones. It's in your back of your spine. It's in your pelvis bones and muscles. He goes, this stuff is just spread everywhere. So then they just got really proactive and took care of it. What advice would you leave for anyone to get annual checkups, to pay attention to your health? Uh, we know sometimes men are too, um, they have the, an ego of not going to a doctor to kind of push through it and fight through it. And I'm sure there's right. others like that. What would you say to that? Yeah, sometimes we do. We get so caught up and we figure that we're doing everything right. Like I thought I was doing everything right and you're eating right and you're working out. But yeah, every year you should get those annual checkups. And the number one thing I would always say, especially if you're an African-American and you know we're so prone to diabetes and heart disease and cholesterol, start just asking questions to your doctor, especially if you're at a certain age and you're over 40. Just say, you know, could I or should I start thinking about or do you know the doctor that I need to talk to? Because I'm curious about maybe checking for lung-related health issues because there's been reports of more women getting lung disease, you know, who have not smoked. So is that something I should now try to maybe get a checkup for or get screening for? So once you start laying out those conversations with your doctor, your doctor will understand that this is on your radar. I need to address this. At least they know that you're aware because they're not naturally going to bring it up to you. So, you know, start looking at different avenues and asking questions about your health maybe do some research online and just, you know, be a little bit more progressive. I want to echo that. I, I want to encourage people to really listen to their body. Mm -hmm. I and mean, if something's just different, you know, pay attention to it, maybe take your over-the-counter things, but then if mm -hmm. it is uh, persistent or chronic to uh, get that checkup because you never know what's creeping up on you. Yeah. And I did, I would go get physicals and all my checkups and get my colonoscopy, breast exams, and there was nothing showing up. And then, my doctor said that he said with lung cancer, sometimes you'll have the respiratory issues, but a lot of times you don't because it tends to go other places. So he said, and the thing with lung cancer that's tricky is that if your body doesn't really know until you're almost on your way out. And like I said, I was 94 pounds and it my back started hurting. So if I didn't have those indicators of just that little thing with my back starting to hurt and then questioning it, I might not be here. So yeah, you do really have to pay attention. It's unfortunate, but you got to ask the questions. You got to get those checkups and you just got to be proactive and a little bit ahead of the curve. Very good advice. If you were the world's queen diva for a day, which you are, what would you do to change, remove, just revise in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing I would remove is just the misunderstanding. People are so misunderstood. Just let people be. But also the level of just non-compassion. I don't understand. Like my friend says, it's a cancel culture where people are always canceling individuals, letting them go, dropping them by the wayside. People are going through so much stuff. Sometimes we just need to stop down, take a breath, give someone a big, long, tight squeeze and hug and just say some positive affirmations. I appreciate you. I love you. I cherish you. 
I need to see more of you. Just little things to make people feel wanted, needed. Those little things go such a long way. So I think if we did more of that and just really just accept people's differences. I mean, a rainbow is an, a, an array of different colors for a reason. The world, you have greens and yellows and blues. If you walk through the forest and saw everything being gray, it would be boring and dull. But the vibrancy of the colors and the richness of the differences, and they all come together and work in harmony because we all have a purpose, makes it even more beautiful. And that's what you need to celebrate. You need to embrace it. But yes, stop canceling people. Stop just not loving up on people and just be there. It's okay to be different. Like you said, we it need is. to be different I'm to different. move forward. <laughs> There you go. What would your experienced self say to your younger self if you could go back in time? Oh, you know what? I would. I think, you know, because now I'm at a point where I don't sweat the small stuff and I don't let myself get so worked up over things that really don't matter because you're going to get through it ultimately. It may take a little bit longer, but you're going to get through it. So yeah, don't don't let yourself get caught up on these anxieties and sweat these small things because they truly don't matter. And you'll figure out a way to get over it and you keep it moving. You know, you just keep it moving. There you go. Final couple questions. Is there any additional advice thoughts you want to share with the audience? You know, for me, having come through, you know, and still going through my stage four cancer, I, I would just encourage people to take something that, is upsetting to you, something that's frustrating, something that's been weighing on your head and deal with it, but find a way to deal with it and see that, that funny in it, see that silver lining, see that good. I'll give you an example. I was heading out to Chandler to go meet with the city councilwoman, Christine Ellis. We were going to have lunch and I was so excited to spend time with her and just hear her story because she's a Haitian American and she's just full of life. As I was driving my tire indicator light came on saying that my tires were going flat. So I get to the restaurant, tell her I cannot meet with her. And I was so sorry, but I need to get over to discount tire. So I get to discount tire. Turns out I had four nails in my tires, both in the back, the two rear tires, two and two, both had nails. The guy goes, we got to take these out because of where the nails are positioned. You got to get new tires. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is going to cost me a lot of money, $369 for two tires. So instead of getting mad, I started looking around the discount tire and I thought to myself, well, this is a good thing. One, I got to see Christine Ellis for just a brief moment and she knows how sincere I was to the fact that I showed up before time of our meeting and I had to go. So she reassured me we're going to have another meeting. So nothing lost there. Two, I'm here in discount tire. I made it safe down the freeway, had no blowouts. So I have to pay $369. But you know what? I met this really nice lady and I talked to her. We had great conversation. So I said it was meant to be. The tire indicator came on. I still got to see Christine. I met a wonderful woman and had great conversation in the discount tire. So I just tried to find all these elements of positivity to this horrible situation of me not being able to make my lunch date with Christine Ellis me not being able to, you know, enjoy some downtime and learn something new and engage in good conversation. But I met a new lady. I got my tires fixed, which obviously needed to be fixed. And I didn't have a blowout or an accident. So it was a win-win. It was a good day. So that's how you have to look at things. 
all days are great, just some are better than others. Mm-hmm. How can people contact you on social media and check out your TV show, Community Link AZ? Well, my TV show, Community Link AZ, is on YouTube. You can check that out and you can subscribe, which I would love because I try to bring you positive content from individuals in the community making a difference in the lives of other people going forward. And you can follow me on Instagram. It's the number one and only Diva Danielle. So one and only Diva Danielle. I would love to stay in touch with you. You can keep in touch with me because I always have different things going on. And yeah, you can just kind of just follow me and chart my progress. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today yeah. and your knowledge and the energy. <laughs> you are a beautiful soul. We need more people like you in our tough world right now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, have a great day. Please stay online. I would like to talk to you offline. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks. You too. I appreciate it.